You're listening to Tango Uncorked. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Tango Uncorked. This week, it's Thursday. Next week, it could be uh, the eighth day. I don't know. But we're here again. I don't know what number episode this is for some reason. Oh, did I mention I'm your host, Adam Hoopengardner? There we go. That's out of the way. For some reason, the uh, Apple Podcasts, it might even be my Podbean account, uh, is like skipping numbers. and in, uh, So we went from episode 11 to 13 or, or something to that effect. I didn't even look. Somebody told me I don't know why, and I'm not even going to try to figure it out because there are no episodes missing, just so you know. Um, but I... I don't know. We're, they're all there, and why? Why do I even want to look and try to figure it out? I'm barely. I'm lucky that I could even get this thing running, <laughs> with my limited knowledge of technology. So I'm proud of that feat unto itself, and that's about all I'm going to do. But rest assured, there's no episodes missing. Uh, what's going on? We have Natalie Larucha on the show, uh, a local teacher here in New York City. Spent her adolescent years and younger 20s in Buenos Aires, where she was uh, raised. Um, So she has a lot of insights in the culture and in the history and in a lot of interesting stories about just what it's like growing up there and living there full time. She ran some interesting businesses and um, just a fascinating woman. It was really fun to sit down with her. The interview is a few weeks old. Um, I think we sat down in June. But then I did the Cleveland series, and I wanted to put all that out at once. So, But don't worry, it's not dated. Not much has changed in Argentina or in, in our lives here this summer, um, which is coming to an end. I hope you're all having a good one. It is the 29th of August, and uh, I'm going camping this weekend. I'm looking forward to that. Now that we have a car, we're looking for all sorts of reasons to use it, and there are plenty. Uh, Chico is in Turkey, so I hosted Tango Cafe last night all by my lonesome. However, I did have amazing help, of course, and thank you for the help. And we had Maria Elena Ibarra teach with me, and she was a lot of fun, and the class went really well. I think the chemistry was really good between us and between her and the students. If you're looking for a very uh, effective teacher, I highly recommend her. Um, a little, somebody came up to me recently and, uh, she told me a funny story about how she used to dance, you know, she's getting better, her tango's growing, and, you know, when you're a new dancer, you'll, you'll dance with whomever you want to get on the floor, you want to, you want to learn, you want to grow, and that makes sense, but as you do that, you improve, and then some people don't, and they get left behind, or I don't know what, I don't know, I don't, I don't have a nice way to put it, but it's a fact of life. And so you no longer did want to dance with them because you're getting better, you're getting better dances. And um, so she told me this funny story about how she was avoiding the cabaseo all night from this guy. And then at the end of the night, he came and sat down next to her. Which, by the way, guys, that's fucking rude. And he said, I don't think you understand how the cabaseo works. <laughs> so that's a funny story. Oh, dear. If you're that guy who has to go over and tell a young lady or an old lady, or anyone for that matter, they don't know how the cabaseo works, uh, you need to uh, check yourself there at the door, buddy. All right. I don't mean to be judgmental, but I'm only human. 
So this is episode number 375. Um, next week I have a sp- I'm returning to Cleveland, not physically, but I'm going to be interviewing my buddy who's also from Cleveland. He'll be on the show next week if I get it out. I get so busy sometimes I, I neglect to put this out, obviously, as some of my followers have mentioned. But here we are, August 29th with Natalie LaRuccia. Hope you enjoy the show. Give me a few words. How was your day? Fantastic. Yeah, and you're translating this article? Yeah, I'm translating this article, and this is 512 News with Adam Hoopenbart, and we are ready to begin. <laughs> oh, you are good at this. <laughs> you're really good at this. Okay, let me, let me just listen to that. It's a diphthong? Yeah, because people say La Ruccia. In Argentina, they say La Ruccia. The I and the A is actually a diphthong. La Ruccia. La Rucha. Mm-hmm. I'm here with Natalie La Rucha. Natalie La Rucha. <laughs> I was just looking at your Facebook page, and you have the pronunciation. Or oh, they just call me in Argentina Nati. Nati. Oh, yeah. That's a pretty common nickname for Natalie or mm-hmm. Natalia. Or Nata, Nati, Natu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've spent a lot of time there. Yes. So I first, my family's from there. Mm. They immigrated there from Italy. Um, they live in Buenos Aires. And I started going, so my family grew up with is Argentine. I started traveling there when I was a teenager. I would go there um, quite often. I would spend a long time. And then I moved down there when I was 19. And I came back up because of the crisis in 2001. And then about a year and a half later, I moved back down. So pretty much my whole adult life, I lived there until I moved recently to New York City. And it was funny, um, it was hard to adapt. Like I remember, I live with Sarah LaRocca and I remember I asked her one day, I have to mail something, where do I, how do I mail something? <laughs> I didn't even know where to go. She said, there's mailboxes on the street. And I said, wow, it's <laughs> <laughs> so convenient, <laughs> oh my God. I don't think I've yet to figure out how to mail anything from Buenos Aires, because yeah. I've heard that it usually gets lost. Yeah, usually, but you have to go to the post office and stand in line for an hour. Hmm. And then often it's, out of service, so you go to two or three until you find one that's in and service. And that's even if it's just a letter. Yeah, that's just a letter. It's not even anything large. No, no, just a letter. It, would, it doesn't matter if it's a postcard. You have to go to the post office. Hmm. So what can you fill our guests in on what happened in 2001? Um, the the pace, it was one-to-one, and mm-hmm. then the pace, it was devalued, and everybody's savings that were in dollars were all of a sudden turned into pesos. So let's say you had, I don't know, $100,000 in savings and all of a sudden it's worth $25,000. Wow. People lost their life savings. <clears throat> People were out of work. Um, it was so bad. I remember I lived near, between San Samuel La Boca, actually a really dangerous neighborhood. And we were told to stay inside for two days and everyone was boarding their windows and their doors because there was severe rioting. I mean, not just pot banging, but people who actually, the protesters went inside the Congress building and set it on fire. Wow. They were so upset. And every, like, every week there was a new president. <laughs> so. And um, how have things, things are not so stable. No, yeah. they'll never be stable. 
it just goes from one president who's worse than the one before. Um, when I had a taxi business, I had a business down there in the... Yeah, I wanted you to talk about that because oh, that was yeah. really interesting. So I invested in cars because I paid in cash and I sold them in cash. So I started buying cars and taxi license. So I had a business there and every, everything was black market back then. There were times you couldn't even get tampons in the country or I had a friend whose son had um, cerebral palsy and seizures and he couldn't get her, her, uh, the medication. It wasn't allowed to be imported. If it wasn't manufactured in Argentina, which is a populous nationalist country, you mm. couldn't get access so to it. So this is why you know we need to be on the lookout for this shit going down here with this populist nationalist crap. Yeah, absolutely. Because we might be cutting our hands off at the wrist. Well, if that happens, we'll all go to Argentina. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you literally had to buy cars, and you were, in a way, you were sort of forced. Did you want to go in the taxi business, or you just figured this is the, w- the best thing I can do with my I money? I just figured it was the best thing I could do with my money at the time. Wow. But even that's still risky in that kind of economy. It, it is. Well, the thing is, fortunately, I sold all mine right when Uber arrived, because when Uber arrived, huh. the value of the license went down by 50%. Right. So getting my money out of the country was difficult. I started hiding my money in Montevideo, across the river. Because at that time, the Argentine government did not share bank information of Argentine citizens with Uruguay and Argentina. Now they do, but at the time they didn't. So, I mean, they had... So you would take like a Boca bus, uh, the boat? The Boca bus, yeah, with $9,999 in my <laughs> underpants. And they had dogs that would sniff money. Oh, my God. They had, you could not leave the country with your own money. I had a friend who traveled to Miami in... She did not have an international credit card, and she got there. She didn't realize she couldn't use her Argentine credit card outside mm. the country. She spent the whole week in the hotel. <laughs> no, I've, I've she couldn't use her, her heard card. of friends doing the opposite, <coughs> um, <coughs> smuggling cash in to help people buy properties and buy yeah. things like that as well. And everybody has a person they go to to smuggle money. Right. We all, yeah, I had two or three. <laughs> that's, just, that's funny. <laughs> I hope nobody listens to this. It might get you in trouble. Oh, no. Well, now well, you Those days are done. Though. No, no. Those days are done. But I mean, like when I would go to buy a license and I would have to go to um, the title lawyer, which mm-hmm. is an Ecrivano, does, it doesn't really exist here, that type of lawyer in the States. And I would have like $90,000, $100,000. So I would go to the bank, I would get it, and I would take like three or four taxis to get there because in the bank, they will call someone outside, so they rob you when you walk out. So I mm. had different taxis. I'd go in one restaurant, go out the back, and another taxi. I mean, it was like... it was like. This is like a Bond movie or something. <laughs> yeah, this is like just Mission Impossible. Cab, just to have a cab business. This is like Mission Impossible, and I did it on my own. Wow. I was like Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely a movie. That, I mean, nobody knows about this kind of shit. Like, a few people in Tango know about this, but even I don't know to what lengths... Some people have gone. It was really hard back then. At one point, Christina Kirchner wouldn't even allow people to import books because she said the ink was toxic. Oh, wow. The ink was toxic. Because mm-hmm. you're going to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Because the ink is delicious. Yeah. Especially foreign ink. Put it on my cereal. Ink outside of the Argentina is very <laughs> good. Um, I had a... St- I had a similar story, very short story. Like I was there one year and a friend of mine told me he could get us the blue dollar currency, you know, the exchange. And I was going through Horacio at La Veruta to get it, but he was traveling or something. And so my friend who I won't name because it was kind of a ridiculous story. I (laughs) met him on Florida and he just took me into this random building. And I right when we walked in, all we saw were like guys just armed to the fucking teeth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he I looked at him and I was like, 
dude, I thought you had a connection here. And he said, well, no, some guy gave me a business card on the street. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, no. no. Can you please tell me eating it raw? Everything was legit. Like, they ran this place like a business. Yeah. But it was terrifying because everybody's in there with, like, holsters under their armpit. And you see all these little rooms with counting machines in each one. And there's, like, families with kids. And, and so I'm thinking, okay. But then I thought, like you said, I never – I was a little more concerned about walking out because the people – know what's going on in there um so we walked luckily i was with another guy but we walked out and we just like got the fuck out of there even when they buy property like let's say a five hundred thousand dollar house they don't transfer the money because they pay so much to the bank so they what people do is hire an armored truck hmm. and they will pull the money out of their account put it in the armored truck and drive two blocks to the uh, other bank Instead of just transferring it. Yeah, because they, they can transfer. It's tr it's, well, they can, but it's too expensive. It's cheaper just to hire an armored car and armored <laughs> men. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> mm -hmm. um, so you grew up here in the U.S. Until right? I was a in teenager. The then until I you were a teenager. Then I went down there. Then you were down there, and you spent most of your life down I there. I did my high school equivalency down there. Mm -hmm. That's why you speak like. Porteño, like, perfectly. Yeah, Castellano. You are, yeah. I studied in two universities there. Mm -hmm. And did you study tango in a university there? Did you just work with different partners? No, I just worked. So I started when I was 19. I was bored one summer, and my cousin said to me, that's it, because I wasn't a member of the River Plate Club, and all the kids would go, they'd go to the River Plate Club and swim, and she said, that's it. I'm taking you down the street. They've got free tango lessons. <laughs> so I went... And I couldn't even get the cross, okay? And the teacher just said to me, please don't come back. Like, please, just don't come back. Wow. <laughs> so I was stubborn. I kept going back. And every time I'd go back, he would make me do ochos on, uh, holding on to the fence. Mm -hmm. So it took a month before I was even allowed to dance with a man. <laughs> you know, you think about how the, the difference between the way it's taught anywhere else in the world compared to Well, if there. I did that to a student here, they would walk out. Well, yeah. I mean, here we have to, like... <laughs> do everything we can to keep them there they'll yeah. tell you to leave and you still come back <laughs> yeah there they're not so politically correct no they're not polite either um, sometimes so yeah so i started i studied down there um when i came back he, i mostly studied down there privately mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like what most people spend on their college education i spent on tango lessons yeah and then um i met anton and we he had been dancing with Alicia Monti, who um, had danced in Forever Tango with Carlos Copello. And they separated. And then he separated with Alicia. And we had always danced together socially as friends, but we had such a connection. Hmm. Like, I knew exactly what he wanted. So we started dancing professionally together, and we started touring. And, and we this did is Anton Gezembeek, for the people mm -hmm. listening. Anton Gezembeek. Yeah, yes, Anton Gezembeek. Yeah. And then um, it wasn't just classes and shows we had a show a full show we did a full-on show and i had like 10 costume changes <laughs> um and that's you guys came up with that show that was a show you yeah he he, he, and he choreographed it and no he was a genius um but we also did historical lectures because anton at that time before youtube had one of the biggest collections of old tango videos in the world and we would practice two four hours a day and then we'd spend at least two hours a day watching videos and he had he managed to get a copy of tango argentino in 1989 when it was in new york city someone stole it out of the public library and he got a copy wow. we went as far as japan 
to get. You literally went there? To get videos. Wow. There was a man, I don't remember his name now. His wife left him because he was a little bit crazy. He had a climate control room with all these videos he had filmed of La Casa Blanca, of um, all the different tango houses of La Ventana back in the 60s and 70s that he had gone there and filmed. And he had this rope he would use to tie up, to tie the door. So when you walked in the room, he would shut it and tie it with a, with a rope. <laughs> so this is in Japan? It was in Tokyo. Yeah. They, have, they tend to have the best collections of everything. Because Argentina. Because at that time, in the 60s and 70s, Argentina didn't have, most of them couldn't afford a camera, a video camera. And the Japanese could. And they've always loved tango music. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the TV shows, um, lo, eh, lo, eh, I'm trying to remember the name now off the top of my head. Lo Grande Valor del Tango. And then there was, what was the other one? Another famous show. Um, I want to say Angelito del Tango, but it wasn't. Anyways, the studio burnt down, and so did all the footage. Oh, shit. And Vito Lasso and Olvida used to perform, and Gloria and Guardo, and all the, all those old mean maestros used to perform on that show. Hmm. This is a show in... Buenos Aires. In Buenos Aires, yeah. okay. But all of the footage has been destroyed, you're saying? Most of it. And a, but a lot of other footage exists in Japan. Mm -hmm. This is so I yeah. heard about a lot of <coughs> connections between tango in Europe and tango in France, but I don't know much about the connections between tango and Japan. They love the music. In fact, in fact, one time uh, I was in Osaka and I went, went out jogging in the morning before classes and we, we were out in the countryside. OK, and I got lost. I'm in the hills and there's like nothing around me. And I don't speak. I speak one word in Japanese. <laughs> After about 10 minutes, I'm panicking. I, that was before cell phones. We had no cell phones. I just had a number with the name of the person I w we were staying with, her phone number and her name and address that I carried with me. And I see this Japanese man running by. And I said, she was missing, she was missing. And he comes and he sees, obviously, this white person is lost in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and I give him the piece of paper and he calls. And Rika, um, who's a friend of mine who now lives in Buenos Aires, explained to him, how to take me home, and he took me home. And as we're walking, I could tell he wanted to know, what am I doing in Osaka? Mm -hmm. And I said to him, I said to him, Argentina, bailo tango, bailo tango. He didn't understand, and I said, I said, tango danza, because in Japan, tango dancer is tango danza. Mm -hmm. And he didn't understand, and I said, piezola. And he goes, hi, hi, piezola, tango danza, Argentina. <laughs> <laughs> That was, he understood, because they love Piazzolla, they love Piazzolla, so oh. then he understood, he says, Argentina! <laughs> well, what, what, what year, what time period is this going back to? 19, I think 1984, or sorry, 84, God, I'm not that old, um, 2004. 2004, yeah. okay, so you guys are already touring back then, this yeah. is with Anton, I'm guessing, yeah. mm -hmm. and you were... I mean, Japan, where else have you guys gone? We toured Japan. We toured the States twice. Mm -hmm. And the last time we worked together, we were invited to work in the World Tango Festival, Mundial Festival del Tango. Uh, that was the last time we worked together. So It's been a little while, right? I was, a, I was 14, 15 years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember briefly when I first moved to New York, which was 2004, Seeing you guys dancing in different milongas, but no the, I guess that might have been right at the end. Yeah, like a triangulo once. I, I remember because your style compared to New York at the time was totally different. It was. You guys danced like it. You know, nothing I had ever because I didn't have access to any videos yet or see what the old timers danced like, uh. which you guys danced like. <clears throat> and so all I had a, at that point, all I had was like 
New York tango and like maybe some Nuevo tango and then maybe like forever tango um, no tango lesson with like Pablo Verón like mm. that was that was all I had at 2004 so at that time, Nuevo Tango was in, and mm-hmm. everybody was dancing Nuevo Tango or Tango Pilado from because of Gavito. Now, if you go to Buenos Aires, it's all out of style. Mm-hmm. They all go back to dancing traditional tango. And yeah. at that time, what we did is we purposely danced the style they danced in the 80s, which wasn't even in style in the 2004. Mm-hmm. But the idea was to pay homage to those great maestros who were dying now. Mm-hmm. Most of them are dead now. Yeah. So we actually would go so far as to, I would paint the kabuki music, the, the kabuki makeup that Jean-Luc from the original Tango Argentino painted. I think I met him once and I did the makeup exactly, the white face, the, the red cheeks, the little round circles in the red cheeks. And I cut my hair the way they did, super short. So I remember this and I thought mm-hmm. it was so weird because I didn't know you guys and I saw you dancing and I'm like, that's kind of strange. I don't <laughs> understand what's going on. But no. I didn't realize there was a lot of historical context behind Absolutely. all of that. Absolutely. Every, yeah. every step we did was studied the way they used to do it. Hmm. And so um, because I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with dancing alternative tango or nuevo tango, but I think it's important to learn classical tango yeah. first, to have I, a uh, strong base <coughs> and to understand to understand tango, you have to know where it came from. It's not just putting on music and, and dancing mm-hmm. and falling asleep in someone's arms, which is great, but to understand it's a culture, not just that, it's a culture. So I think it's important to understand where it came from, its roots. And a lot of what has influenced tango has to do with the movies, has to do with the politics, has to do with the change in culture, mm-hmm. many, many things. Right. In the 50s, you had Kali Sai. There's only one video of him in the world who would go to the milongas with like crazy colorful clothes and colorful shoes, although in the videos are black and white. Uh. And people thought he was nuts. I mean, he would grab his partner and he would dance al revés, which is, um, she's, they're both shadow position. Okay. They would dance back to back. He would throw her out and then he would do a thing and he would roll her back in and they were always changing positions, which later Gloria Eduardo did that. But he was one of the first to do that. And he was a fanatic of Fred Astaire. Huh. And a lot and of his Can you his repeat his name again? Kalisai. 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 Okay. Um, there was... Um, was no, I heard um, yeah. Gustavo Nevera gave a lecture a few years ago, and he talked about how th- the people that he studied with and he trained with, they fucking love Fred Astaire. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea how mm-hmm. much American, I don't know, ballroom, or I don't even know what you'd call it, just the, uh, the, the, it really the had musicals. to do with the lines. Yeah, the musicals, but how they posed and a lot of their line- lines um, changed the way the, the posture of tango went more uh, vertical because originally it was more cr- uh, yeah it was it was hunched, bent, hunched over yeah, yeah. and then you have Juan Carlos Copes who had his own unique style where he would straight back and very bent knees and he would stay bent the whole time hmm. and he and his partner would look straight in each other's eyes and he was one of the first to start um, Tango Ballet Tango Ballet was when you had it was a ballet it was a company of dancers that had a whole car- choreography together and there are videos of him in the 70s and they had platform shoes on and she Maria Nevis had a leopard print dress and they were dancing in Puerto Madero they'd be dancing in the middle of Nuevo de Julio in their ballet hmm. and they toured uh, I think they toured actually the Middle East a lot they've lived in New York City I believe it was in the 70s I want to say the 70s maybe earlier than that and they were so poor they had to reuse the olive oil the, the cooking oil they would reuse it they were so poor and they actually had the first 
teaching tango video. Really? Way back then. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they were on the Ed Sullivan show um, many, many years ago. Oh, my God. There's a little clip you can find. Wow. And so this is all stuff you learned by watching videos with Anton, I'm guessing. Watch it, but also Anton interviewed these old milongueros for a documentary, wow. which it never, I don't think he ever had the money. So we, I had the privilege of sitting on with all these interviews, and we would go to remote neighborhoods in Buenos Aires to find them, even if they weren't famous, right. but they were from that time period. Huh. To the idea was to digitalize right. their stories. That's really amazing. And these uh, these interviews exist, but they haven't really been released. I'm guessing. I mean, obviously they exist. No, the Anton didn't release them. He did publish a book uh -huh. on Tango Argentino, the show. Huh. Um, <clears throat> I think it was by two people. Um, I know Etrolisili. I think he died of uh, AIDS. Hmm. Um, and Hector Segovia, he may still be alive. And I think Anton actually met Hector Segovia, who um, found in the early mm -hmm. 80s, he had this idea to put a tango show together. And he got Gloria and Eduardo and Juan Carlos Copa Maria Nieves, and he got Nel Nelson and Nelida, mm -hmm. and um, Maria and Carlos Rivarola, and um, uh, all these dancers. Yeah, the cast of that original yeah, the show cast. was insane. And he, and he put them on a plane and he flew them to the fall, the Festival del Antonio, the fall festival in 1983 in Paris. And I think they actually got their costumes in the flea market there. <laughs> um, and Virulazo and Elvira. I mean, it was, you know, nobody remembers who they are anymore. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so it was a success. People thought it, they thought it was going to fail. This is Tango Argentina. There was Tango right? Argentina the first in 1983. Then it, they finally they got together in 1984 and they started touring. In 1989, it made it to Broadway. In 1991, it made it to Japan. By the time I got to Japan, it they were so I have seen videos. They were so crazy, and out of control. I saw a video where, f like, earrings were flying and they, they were competing with each other. They all hated each other. Oh, they hit, and they were flying around the f all the air. And it was it was absolutely insane wow. and what Hector Segovia did is he called in a teacher to train them to get them to calm down and keep them on the floor really to retrain them yeah but when they I think they flew on a cargo ship the first time they went they were in a cargo ship because you're saying like they were pretty there were no poor money. Back there was then, no right? money there were no funding right. they, they were supposed to be complete failure and what happened is people saw I have interviewed people who saw the original Tango Argentino and they looked at it and they said here are these old fat people <laughs> dancing tango and it's relatable. Mm -hmm. I can do it. And each couple was totally unique. If you yeah. go and you see today Forever Tango or some other tango show, they all look like military dancers. Yeah. They could all do acrobatics, all the same body type, the same style. And what Tango Argentino had at the time is unique and has never been reproduced at that ever. Nothing that unique has ever been reproduced. And it was so, it was so incredible. And it changed the world. I mean, I could, I've spoken to some people even on the show Lucille was one of them on the show like you could say New York City tango was almost started because of that sh absolutely show. absolutely because Lucille saw it one year she saw it again another year the year after she went to, to find tango in the schools here which they didn't have yet and then um, uh, so on it, it, uh, it that show she says made tango 
brought it in the spotlight and also as you just said it made it seem accessible to people like Absolutely. that this is something that maybe we could all do even if i'm 50 or 60 years old in fact in fact um nelson avila mm -hmm. from the original casa de argentino um gave when Diego Argentino came to New York, he was giving classes. I don't know if it was the Hilton Hotel, but it was definitely a hotel here in New York City on a rug. And I've seen video footage of Paul Pellicoro taking his first tango lesson from Nelson Avila in the cast. Wow. It's, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> and what people, a lot of people don't know is he retired here in New York City. In, uh, I think he's in Long Island. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know he still gets to the all-nighter once in a while. Once in a while, yeah. Because I think him and Sarah have a relationship, and his wife. Um, Madeline. And, yeah, and I remember even Chico had a story about his, I don't know, He, I, I, I'd have to ask her, I don't remember, but he gave some really kind words to Chico, well, recent, not too long ago, just about how, how the dance is just part of the streets and part of the people and, like, don't ever take it out of that, that realm. Here's what's interesting about tango. I think people romanticize it and they escalate it to a ballroom dance. Mm -hmm. And it's not. It was a dance from working class people with very little education. No education in classical music, no education in opera, no, no education in ballet. But yet they were so innovative. And they created this incredible dance without access to the things we have today. No YouTube videos, no maybe at best movies, Hollywood movies, but not much more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to perform at like ballroom events. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but you also do like, you're a performer. Like Chico and I were not necessarily performers, but the point is having to perform next to like ballroom people. Oh. Um, I just find it kind of hilarious because <laughs> unless you're like, you know, throwing your part, you know, there's definitely stage level tango that is like, pretty mind-blowing mm -hmm. um but the average performance is is much more internal and much more exactly. per per personal and cerebral and like it and when you're in front of that crowd who's like looking for the ballroom and they get the ballroom performance and they're wearing the sequ you know all the stones yeah. in the sequence and and then out come like a tango couple that's dancing more tr so especially social style i just find it hilarious because they don't they don't understand that it's emotional mm -hmm. um when I performed in a lot of milongas in Buenos Aires, and it was always nerve-wracking, not because, you know, can Anton throw me in the air, da, da, da. it was about, can we walk? That's what they look for. Mm. The old maestros look. They look at the couple and say, can they walk? doesn't matter if they, if they can throw her three feet in the air. If they can't walk, boo, boo. Yeah. <laughs> They're not going to like it. So. Um, well, that goes back yeah. to what you said earlier, which I agree with about starting with the roots, because I've, I started here and I started in more, well, I don't know how to say it. Like I started with Robin who danced what you would consider. I would call it even today, New York close embrace, you know? <laughs> and then I started with a couple named Caleb and Ting who were much more like from the Fabian Salas ideology because they mm -hmm. came out of Seattle. So I'm studying with Americans. I mean, Robin's Irish obviously, but who are interpreting what they learned and teaching it, which is totally fine. But until I started traveling down to Buenos Aires, not to say you one can't learn tango outside of Buenos Aires, but... No, they can learn with you and Chico. Well, exactly, <laughs> or with you and Jack. But the point is, um, they're, they're, I, I appreciated, you know, kind of pushing all that to the side and being at like Sunderland 
and like having to walk the line you know like mm -hmm. for like four weeks i mean i wasn't living Just there walking. but i would go like four weeks every year with chico and like we would always go back to our, our original teachers and, and continue to this day seeking out new teachers and it always comes back to the walk and i think it's funny and maybe you might agree like when students when i'm teaching somewhere and the students are like oh, okay well i guess because when we come they're like okay well today i guess we'll go back to the basics because you guys are here and I just kind of laugh inside because I'm like, that's all I seek out any like ever, yeah. but even anymore. Like, how can somebody take me even deeper? I think, like you said, teaching here in New York is different than Argentina because, well, for several reasons, I think. In Argentina, you have a lot of competition mm -hmm. in the milongas. You don't dance well, you're not going to get asked to dance by the better dancers. And that's what people want. So that means you have to learn to dance well. Mm -hmm. So people will take classes in walking. Here in New York, if you don't teach them a step in the first half hour, they get bored and they won't come back because here they don't care so much. I'm not going to generalize to everybody, but in my experience, a lot, a lot of people, especially the beginners, and, you know, until they really understand tango, they want to learn fancy steps and they don't understand about learning to have quality of movement, not quantity. But I will quality. say there's a, you know, I, I agree, but I also think, it relates to what you're saying about Argentina. Like they are aware of what they're seeking out to be good. Yeah. And I think here the students don't know better. No. They think maybe that that fancier step is a considered better because they're not. Uh, they don't understand to appreciate the finer things yet. And then, as you said, like as they get more, they learn more than they realize. Okay, I need to go back and and another, work on this. Another thing that's difficult about teaching here is musicality. So we know you dance on the beat. You can dance off the beat. You can dance to different instruments, the melody. But you can. But what they don't, I don't see here as much as teaching the students to dance on the measures. There's mm -hmm. a certain counts, two by four. They sometimes in Argentina they don't say tango. They say dos por cuatro, two by four. And they don't. The thing is, is in Argentina you are raised listening to the tango music. You hear the lyrics. You're accustomed to it your whole life. Even if you don't like it, you're going to hear it everywhere in a taxi, wherever, all the time. But being if you're from the states you're not accustomed to hearing it so yeah. it can be very difficult to learn because it's it can be difficult to learn how to listen to it because the music is quite complex mm -hmm. well i think it's funny you just mentioned about the beat because i i try never to teach the beat because everybody can hear a beat but yeah. when you put it like that it made me laugh because in it growing up here let's say you grew up listening to classic rock or something mm -hmm. right if you're in the car with your dad and the beatles comes on your dad's not saying you hear that beat, son? <laughs> no, he's like, Mine you hear the maybe music? Does. No, but he's like, you hear the music? Do you hear what they're saying? Do you hear yeah. the, do you feel the music, you know? And when we, sometimes when you take tango classes in the States or even outside, like they're, they're, they're so into the beat. And yeah. it's like, well, how be, the beat's a given. I mean, you, the beat's the, the, the pulse, but let's talk about what you're saying. Like, let's talk about the, 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 I call it phrasing. Let's talk about the phrasing, the idea, the stories and the music and not just emphasizing this is a beat. I absolutely agree, which is why I think um, in New York City, a lot of people, doesn't matter if it's Troilo, Pugliese, Darienzo, or uh, Di Sali, they dance all the same. Yeah. Because they're not really listening to the music. Mm -hmm. They're not listening. Um, and each orchestra requires you to dance a different way. But you have to really listen to the music. Mm -hmm. yeah. Pay attention to it. And, and not just the pulse. And I guess I'm kind of grateful in a way not having grown up with it because you know when you grow up when you learn something as a child 
your brain learns it a lot differently than as you learn it as an adult, like a language or, or mm-hmm. music. And so I've had to study, and I grew up studying music. I was played music, but I I had to learn how to listen to tango, and um, it was hard. Like I would, I remember taking classes with Horacio Godoy, for example, who I think is brilliant about teaching this. Yeah, he and, does. And and I, I look back and I laugh at myself because I thought I was super musical because I could hear the beat and I could hit the beat and I could hit the offbeat. And he would just watch me even before Chico and I started moving, he would like put like Kalo on and right before we'd start moving, he would just stop it. And he'd be like, no, you're not going to dance this. I can already tell you're not going to dance Kalo right now. And I'm, you know, now I get it. But back then I was just astonished. Um, But having had to learn that, I feel more aware of mm-hmm. what maybe I wouldn't have been so aware of if I just grew up listening to it. I don't know. I don't you didn't know. take it for granted because you had to work so yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like with, with American style music, I, I feel it inside and out. And I don't know if I'd necessarily be as able, be as effective um, conveying that to somebody else. But, le- you know, because I just, it's just sort of like, oh, don't you get it? You know, but with tango, I can actually understand why people don't hear it because I didn't hear it. So I kind of appreciate that. That's all. Yeah. But I do feel like um, I, I, if you've ever like a funny experiment is to try to teach people or not teach, ask people when they're dancing not to step on the beat. Yeah, that's hard. It's impossible. Everybody steps on the beat. I've had to learn how to not to. But then you can also take them immediately away from even thinking about it, you know, because sometimes I feel like if you if you tell people to do something like that, then they put too much focus on it. You have to tell them, right, if you tell them not to do something, it's exactly what they'll do. So mm-hmm. you tell them the opposite. Right, yeah. <laughs> but the, so music, you, the music is why I started dancing. Yeah, me too, I agree. The music, it just fills your soul. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it ever stops inspiring. No, I mean, y- you can listen to classical tango music your whole life. You don't get bored. Mm-mm. There's always something new in the music. Yeah. <clears throat> do you have a preferred orchestra right now or do you phase in and out to listen to or to dance oh that's a good question um well first to listen to i love to listen to Pugliese. Mm-hmm. i love to listen to troilo i love to dance to darienzo okay i'm a darienzo chica <laughs> always always have been yeah he's, <laughs> he's the man um is there a certain time of Pugliese or just whenever um no, not in particular. Okay. I mean, I have a few songs I really like more than others, but mm-hmm. it, it also changes depending on my mood. Yeah, yeah. But there's some songs where they give you goosebumps, mm-hmm. especially with, with, the, with the vocals, with the singers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love, um, particularly the singer from Esta Noche de Luna. Every time I hear that, I just get mm. my shiver. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like when you hear another version of it? Like, mm. nah. like, I don't know. Like, you get all excited to go to the movies, you want popcorn, and you get it, and it's kind of stale. <laughs> 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 it's like, like, damn. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, because a lot of DJs, not for rightly so, like over the years, are t- trying to play less common versions of more commonly played songs, because I think we're all getting a little exhausted sometimes of the same old thing but i feel like some orchestras you can do that with you can play like canción de rango by biaggi as well as yeah. tanturi but some some songs they're just like this is the one where there's some good new orchestras a eh, bardo tango bardo mm, yeah. eh, milong- rom- romantico milonguero mm-hmm. 
there are some new there's some good orchestras now um i remember i saw in Santamo, Loretta del Tango, with like four banyonistas, and mm. I swear to God, there was like smoke coming out of the banyon <laughs> when they were playing. Wow. And Color Tango, they're fantastic. Mm -hmm. Really good. <coughs> yeah, Color Tango's amazing. So you're growing up, you, you moved back down there when you were 19-ish, mm -hmm. right? I was 17 the first time, second time 19. And you lived there throughout. Mm. And what what is it like? What is it like living there? You're, I mean, it's it's not the safest place. You have to be kind of on your toes. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of robberies. You have to have eyes around you all times. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't carry any watches, no jewelry, nothing. It's common to have what they call motochorros, which are motorcycle thieves that get, come up on the sidewalk, boom, they push you over, they grab your things, and they're out. <coughs> it's common, you know, you're... It's common to have someone hold a gun up to you. <laughs> um, I don't know. I got used to it. No one likes it. Right. Yeah. But I think when I moved down there for the first time, I felt like I was coming home. Mm -hmm. Because it felt, I felt like I could be more myself there than I am here. Okay. I understand this sense of humor better. Uh -huh. I love how they're more spontaneous. Like you can just show up in your friend's neighborhood it touch their doorbell and say, hey, let's go have some mate. Right, right. But here you have to arrange with a head at a time. Yeah. No way you would knock on your friend's doorbell and say, hey, can I come up? There's a few people, uh, but, not you, but you're speaking specifically of New York City, right? Mm, yeah, maybe. I don't really know. Because, like, I, growing up where I lived in Cleveland, maybe there's a lot of people who have nothing to do all the time. So, like, you can just <laughs> show up at somebody's house and be like, hey. Because I did that all the time. Like, uh, oh, granted, I was a lot younger, but, but um, New York is specifically uh, unavailable. Like, people are definitely yeah. more unavailable. Yeah. But you're talking about nuance, like nuance, subtleties, subtle things that you. It's hard to describe when well, you go friend, back to a place. A friend you came know. to visit me, maybe 12 years ago, and I took her around the city. And then one day she decided to go out by herself. She comes back in the late afternoon. She says, "I'm having dinner." I don't remember Fulana. I don't remember her name. I'm going to say Margarita, whatever, Margarita. I said, who the hell is she? She said, oh, I met her on the bus. She invited me over for Puchero for dinner. <laughs> that wouldn't, this only happens there. Yeah. You get into a conversation with someone, the next thing you know, you're invited over for dinner. That's true. <laughs> I said to her, careful you don't get robbed at her house. <laughs> yeah, there's, um, there's certain cultures that are much more uh, open to that mm. exchange. And I think, I, and one of the things about New York that I like is, not necessarily um there's a lot of I immigrants and diversity here so you'll still come across people like that just being in a city yeah. with so many immigrants that they bring that culture and they bring that um like i went to a i was i went to a thing the other day with people i hadn't seen in years just because they happened to invite me and and it didn't even feel awkward it was just like okay here we are yeah it's been five years but it's good to see you again i like i like how they're just so informal it's mm -hmm. just you get together with someone and Argentines also are quite vulgar, mm -hmm. like even the women, very yeah, yeah. vulgar. And there's things that, sense of humor and jokes that I can share with my friends down there that people would just get offended or they couldn't believe it. So, um, but that's just part of the, the culture. And so I feel always like here I have to be on my guard. Mm -hmm. Always have to be on my guard. Who am I going to offend? Da, 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 da. You know, and it's just you get there and you just, just relax. Mm. You know? So you said you went 
You didn't go to university there? You, but I you, did. Oh, you I, did. I did a study at Universidad eh, de Morón, mm -hmm. in Morón City, which is north of Buenos Aires, okay. and the UADE, Universidad Argentina de la Empresa, which is the Argentine University of Business. And did you, s I saw something, you did you study photography as well? So I, autodidactia, I studied by myself. Okay. So when I, um, I used to work in two studios as an assistant, I would be photoshopping and everything. And I used to be a dance photographer. Huh. The, year the year and a half I lived here in New York, I was a dance photographer. So I photographed a lot of ballet companies, tango couples. Huh. So this is already while you're a dancer, tango yeah. dancer. Okay, mm -hmm. just stuff on the uh, other stuff on the side that you were curious to learn mm -hmm. about. And then you said business school as well? I, uh, yes, I studied just for two years, mm -hmm. part-time. Okay. And um, so any, um, what else about growing up in Buenos Aires? Well, where did you grow up here? <laughs> on the West Coast. Ah, okay. And where, where about? California. Well, yeah, California is basically the whole West we Coast. We need to say <laughs> I can't, I don't like the West Coast. No oh, offense, yeah, no, no offense. I it's just not for me. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm not, not for me either. But I like to visit. San Francisco's a, a pretty, pretty interesting place. Yeah. Um, but no, um, no, no, no need to go back there as you might go back to Buenos Aires. No. Mm, no, anytime I get on an airplane, it's to go to Buenos Aires. Mm. <laughs> and when was the last time you were back? May. Oh, yeah. Wow. January and then May, I spent a month down there. And it was super cheap. And I was eating filet mignon every day for $10 for a month, an entire month. I thought when I come back, I'm going to get my blood test. And the doctors are going to discover <laughs> <laughs> all the meat I've been eating. It was good to see my family. I yeah. miss them a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now, God, I can't believe the amount of milongas there are compared to before. I mean, they were always a lot, but yeah. So there's even more now. There's even more. It's insane. I can't and even imagine. And there's all kinds. There's classical milongas. There's totally informal milongas. There's gaming. I mean, there's there's. It's just the wide range, and the milongas are not nearly as formal now as they used to be. Before, all the men would go in a jacket, a jacket, a tie, mm -hmm. a shirt, and a handkerchief. Like if it, I remember one time with the old milonguero. He was sweating because most, a lot of them don't have air conditioning. He took out his handkerchief and put it between our heads <laughs> so he wouldn't, he wouldn't sweat on me. And now it's not, that, it's not super common to see them put on a jacket, not like before. Hmm. They're a lot less um, formal than they are now. I guess now. it's just uh, aging out. It's, I think the times are changing. Yeah. They're becoming more bohemian. You know, there was a big women's rights movement down there, even in the milongas. And what, what do you mean by that? What, how, what do you mean? So there's a group uh, organization that is trying to educate Milonga organizers on how to uh, react or act, for that matter, under certain situations. So let's say a woman is in the Milonga, she doesn't understand if it's part of the dance or she's been um, a abused is the term they use so it's just to teach them how to react and for women not to put up with that behavior anymore mm -hmm. i've never had an issue um personally i think it goes both ways because i know women sometimes have been known to lick men's ears right, <laughs> right, right. so it works both ways i i did have one experience when i was in my early 20s i will not name who the the dancer was very famous. He worked in the Sita Festival every year. Hmm. And I knew him very well. Wow. I thought I did. So I was very young, just starting to go to the Milongas. And after uh, the Milonga La Nacional, 
Mm-hmm. He asked me, it was like three in the morning. He said, Look, you want to go get a coffee? And I said, oh, sure, sure, sure. Well, I didn't know at that time. What that meant? Cafecito, coffee yeah. does not mean coffee. So we're driving this car and he pulls into this parking, like inside this building. And I see the blue light outside. like, what? Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> so <laughs> he gets out of the car and I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on here? And he goes to a window and I realize he's paying. And right. then he he pulls me out of the car and we're walking into the building. It was a hotel, which is a sex right. hotel. Like right. every three blocks there's a hotel, um, which is common. Their parents go because their kids live at home. Kids go because their parents live at home. Right. So everybody, it's a family establishment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. Everybody uses a hotel. And usually see teenagers sneaking out of there. So he takes me in and I said to him, uh, this is not happening. Sorry. Huh. So he was so humiliated because he had to ask for his money back. Oh. That, that we get in the car. He drives me down to the Nueva de Julio in Micro Centro, which you may know is full of drug addicts and, and it is crazy, crazy dangerous right, at night. At three and in the op- morning? Or so he yeah. opens the door and he says, get out of my car. And he, he makes me get out of his car. It's <laughs> like, okay, so no more cafe. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mean, at least he didn't attack you, but he kind of no, left you no. out there in the cold. Yeah, ruin his reputation. Yeah. But but no, no. Well, uh, I uh, this is really interesting. I'd like to talk more about this because I've people I've been having behind the scenes conversations with different people, especially organizers, um, about what we can all do to help bring more awareness and. I think it's well. I think it starts with more awareness of of um, mm. of of condemning this sort of culture as it comes about. There was um, I I don't remember who told me about an incident where someone used a gay slur in uh, practica. I don't remember which one. Which to me, it's 2019. I cannot believe that someone would use a gay slur today. Even that has changed. So now you see. Y- it's okay for same-sex couples to dance in milongas, even in the cl- in the traditional salon canning. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, twenty years ago, phew, that did not happen. <clears throat> and one of my best lesbian friends uh, came from New York to visit me, and I took her to La Marchal, the game. Mm-hmm. That time they gave milonga. Mm-hmm. Now there's lots of them. Right. And then she says to me, "Well, I want to go to a regular milonga." I just, I thought, and she dresses. As a man, she wears these beautiful vintage suits. She's got flaming red hair, short red hair. She's quite stunning. So I took her to Niño Bien. I don't know if you you remember when Niño Bien at um. With the two. Ru- oh Central no no Region no. Niño Bien downtown. Yeah yeah. You can get two easily two hundred people or more in there. Uh-huh. So we show up at eleven o'clock, and that's because our reservation's eleven. We sit down. She's like, let's 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 dance, and I said it's a little early. Let's just wait till more people come. <laughs> I remember I sat there thinking, do I risk my reputation and us getting thrown out? Mm-hmm. Or do I offend my friend? Because I thought, she's not going to understand if I tell him. She won't. She's not from here. She won't understand right. that, sh- that here <coughs> it's just not acceptable. Mm-hmm. So I thought about it. And I went to the bathroom and I came back and I thought, I'm not going to offend my friend. So we get up and we're, we're dancing. And I see the women shaking their heads going, And I'm looking around like this. We're close embrace. Mm-hmm. The tanda ends, what, like 12, 15 minutes for a tanda? Mm-hmm. We're wa- everybody's walking back to their chairs, and she says, hey, wait a minute. 
Your skirt is tucked up in your underwear. You can oh, see everything. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so now you don't know what they were looking at. Well, apparently they didn't realize you were two women because they were uh. so distracted by my ass. <laughs> so you, f- you figured out a little uh, strategy for that era. Dude, that decoy. time and era, yeah. <laughs> so needless to say, times have changed because yeah. the second time she came to visit, she danced in all the milongas mm-hmm. and she actually earned the respect of a lot of famous milongueros there mm-hmm. because she really feels the music. Yeah. Whether she is a man or a woman doesn't matter. She really feels it. And she mm-hmm. transmits that when she dances. And now it's, it's amazing. Um, in fact, gay marriage was passed, legalized in Argentina before it was in the States. Yeah, yeah, I heard so that. So um, it's really changing down there. I still think a lot of the machismo in Argentine tango is still present even in New York, more so than it is in many places in Argentina. Hmm. And by machismo, you mean... Um, the general, the way the men treat the women on the on the floor, or I don't just think social attitude. I, I mean, among professionals, not hmm. in the social level. Ah, interesting. <coughs> I had a photo shoot in January down mm-hmm. there, and it's a lovely, lovely gay couple, and they're well known. They shoot a lot of a lot of uh, dancers, and he was telling me that there was a couple. They were photographing, and he had her up in the air. And I don't know what she said, set him off, but he dropped her on the floor. Boom. Wow. Just dropped her. And the photographer says, okay, we're not going to do any more poses like that. But but I think there's still a lot of those things happening amongst professional couples. Yeah. There's a, there is, um, among some, quite a lot of abuse. Yeah. And I mean, I've heard stories about certain couples that I think everybody's heard the stories about, but... Uh, I don't know. I guess I live in a bubble sometimes because I'm being controlled by Chico. <laughs> <laughs> You're her bitch, Like huh? my nest. You're Like bitch. the worst thing that ever happened. I mean, we argue, but Jesus, to, to consider ever, <laughs> you know, doing anything insane like that. So, you know, I have experienced a lot of machismo and mistreatment mm-hmm. in my professional life. And... I'm so Mika, you know Mika, and I started a, t- a Facebook group, group called Tengo Las Mujeres. Mm-hmm. And it is for women who won't put up with that shit anymore. <laughs> and for women to be able to support each other, teaching, yeah. performing, women with women, not to say men are not allowed, absolutely not. Right. It's just about equal treatment. Yeah. <coughs> That's great. <coughs> That's great. I remember um, the Tengo Las Mujeres who came out, you know, way, way back in the day with Brigitte and Rebecca Schulman and, yeah, and Valeria that. and Sharna. And I'm not sure if anybody, I'm sure that maybe there were other people in and out of that, Fabian Bongard maybe, but the, the, the shit they got, you know, back in that time period, which was before my time. Yeah. I just heard stories about the, the, the head, like the finger wagging and the double takes. And then also the amount of people they inspired by what doing what they did and pushing forward so you know it's, it's great for uh, for what's happening now and what happened then to keep moving us forward up until recently i mean the last 20 years maybe 25 years when they presented a couple and they would go and perform in milonga it would be so and so and his wife yeah, yeah, yeah. she was never mentioned yeah she was never mentioned she didn't exist mm-hmm so times are changing yeah that the way we teach now is is more and more and more over the years like i i I even uh, it's more and more focused on the the female role 
And even now when we title classes, I always, especially recently, even like Chico and I are like, how do we title this so that it's not assumed this is geared towards the leader? Oh, turns That's with Boleo or turns with Enroskis or, or this and this and that. It feels like no matter what, it's always like, uh, it's assumed that it's like more leader centric than, than follower centric. It, it can be. And yeah. that's, that's, it's, it's difficult because one thing is, I understand why, because a follower, um, I'm not going to say your role is easier, but a leader's role is very hard. Yeah. You have to not, you have to navigate, you have to be on the music, you have to lead your part, and you have to know your own steps. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of things you have to do. Yeah. So the leader almost has to learn, has to learn before the follower. I think that's why we, it is often leader focused because mm-hmm. the follower, if a, a follower can follow a good leader, but a good leader, yeah. if you can't lead, yeah, 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 nothing's yeah. gonna happen. So yeah. I understand that sometimes the leader needs more attention in the beginning. I feel like, well, that's what I was gonna say. In <coughs> the, the in the beginning, the learning curve is like it's like straight up for the guy. It's so hard for the first, yeah. depending on how much, how fast you learn and how much time. Six months to the first year, the guy is like just in trouble. But then, the better the leader, the 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 better the f- needs to be the follower because like if up. he's yeah to keep up essentially and to hear the music the same and interpret and interact but also i also feel like the way some teachers have been teaching um doing both roles from the get-go i think that's so, good. like exchanging roles i see the pros and cons but i i think it ultimately it's good because you both take much more responsibility of the awareness of the whole dance and not just like, oh, I'm just leading or, or I'm just following, which you've heard, you know, students say, oh, I just follow or, oh, yeah. I just it's lead. It's hard to get them to do the other, pl- do the other role. But other dances, salsa, ballroom, they learn both roles. Yeah, yeah. So Tango is the only one where the followers usually refuse to learn to lead, but leaders tend to be more, men tend to be more easygoing and willing to learn to follow. I mean, remember when tango, they first started dancing tango, Men had to, boys had to learn to follow for a year or two before they learned to lead. Hmm. They were not allowed to learn to lead. They had to follow because they would practice with each other before they would go to Los Bailes. Because (coughs) back then they didn't call them milongas. Hmm. That didn't exist. Milonga was a dance. It Hmm. wasn't a place. It was Los Bailes, like the dance halls. Why is that? Do you know? Um, No, I don't know why. That's just what they call them. And it was interesting when, because women were not allowed to go to the practices, the practicas. Um, so they would go to Los Huayles in the evening with a chaperone, an aunt, a mother, an older sister. Hmm. And they would sit in chairs around the dance floor. And the men were not allowed to sit with them. The men had to stand in the middle of the dance floor in a big circle. And they, the dancers would dance around them. So what the men had to do to ask a lady to dance with, they have to do the cabaseo. That's why the cabaseo exists. So you're saying there's a group of guys standing in the center yes. of like a gymnasium or something. Mm-hmm. And then there's a group of women, mothers and sh- daughters, sitting yeah. around them. Yeah, absolutely. And so they would have to do the cabaseo to get her attention because I, I know people seem to, seem to think it's machista. It, it was just had a practical use. She's across the floor. You can't go to her. You mm. have to give her a head nod. And then th- what they would do was when you couldn't buy drinks there, you would have, they would give you a, a ticket and you would have to go out on the street and buy a drink and you could bring it back in. So I remember like Raul Bravo, famous mm-hmm. maestro and um, associate of Antonio Tolaro, telling me stories when he was young and he couldn't afford to go to the milonga. He'd wait for guys to come out who'd already, who were leaving the milonga and he'd beg them, give me your ticket so I can go into the milonga and, and dance. He was like 13 or 14 years oh, old. Wow. Um, so now the, the Cabo Seo has a much more innocent 
um, context now because I can see it like a bunch of shy guys in the center yeah. of this room with these mothers staring at them and their daughters <laughs> sitting there twinkling their eyes and they're just nervously like trying to eyeball this girl like yep um uh, uh excuse me <laughs> and <laughs> to say that i've heard people say oh, the the cabo sido machista i don't think so because anybody that's been to women's side knows women know how to get a man to cabo them yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they absolutely. know how to get a man to ask a man to dance mm -hmm. and they know how to to to, to shun you mm -hmm. from like 50 feet away i mean <laughs> it's very obvious you're not gonna who you're not gonna dance with yeah. and who you are gonna dance with the moment you walk in the room and have like i'll sit down in five minutes sitting there i know like i know the 90 percent of the people i'm not gonna well, dance you sit with. down in milonga you order a drink and then you look at the floor see who am i gonna dance with they're very selective it's not like here because there are people want to dance with specific dancers to specific orchestras right. here it's like what doesn't matter orchestra yeah, let's all. just dance mm -hmm. but there they really enjoy the quality of the tanda and not the quantity so maybe i'll go to milonga and i don't dance all night there i look for who i want to dance with i listen for the orchestra that pleases me and i dance with that orchestra i don't like to it's for me it's not a marathon right unless you're like at a practica and the whole point is to learn so mm -hmm. then you need to dance non-stop but so is that what you would say determines the difference because in the practica and the milonga the, well so the practica usually it's teacher guided they don't have your new york practicas like they do in buenos aires it's right. not here it's a milonga they're not you know yeah, because people yeah, get yeah. dressed up they play music and they're dancing in the ronda the round the line of dance a practica is usually teacher guided he'll stop them he'll show them something and then everybody work on it amongst themselves mm -hmm. and then the teacher will you know give them 10 minutes then he'll show them something else and then work on it and they can ask questions so there's not always necessarily music playing the whole time and there's no tandas there's no cartinas it's you're specifically working on some specific element yeah it's one thing that's always bothered me about this practica in the u.s like it's really just a milonga with no tables i think of it as a milonga with no tables or something i was at i'm not going to say which practica i was at I was practicing with someone. I was asked to move and get off the floor because people were dancing. And I said, but this is a practica. Right. He said, you're blocking the line of dance. Well, there shouldn't be a line of dance. This is a, this is a place to practice. Yeah. It's not a milonga, but it's like, okay, all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're going to establish the same rules as one and the other, then there's really no difference. Exactly. If you're going to play so cortinas and you're going to have a line of dance. I mean, if that's how you're going to run it, then it, just call it a milonga. Well, also, they're not really guiding them. No, they're not guiding them. A, a, a guided practice in Buenos Aires, you have a maestro who who sets up what we're going to work on. Everybody's going to work on the same thing. It's almost like a class. Yeah, and I like that, you know, like at, um, what's her name? Oh, shit. Mariana Dragone, they have the, one of the tango houses on Friday. I forget the name of her tango house oh, right now. Know. But the Friday night, it's like, you know, She'll run it, or Carlo Morano, Carlo Morano will run, it, or some. They'll have like a group of people come in and work together, or a couple, and they run the practica. But they really run a practica. I wish there was more New York like that. Yeah, I we think should we do should it. start we something. Do it, a teacher's practica for the teachers. Well, we've on occasion in the past we've done just things like this once in a while where we message each other. But maybe we do. We maybe we do start something where it's just like a guided practica and see if if the community at large would be interested in coming. I don't I know. So. Be interesting. <laughs> um, where are we at? Here? You know those silent, <coughs> this, what do you call those silent music festivals where you don't hear the music because everyone's got headphones? So you, people can just wear those. <laughs> I've never heard of that. You go and you put headphones on and everybody's listening to the same music, but you can't hear it. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. They have those in New York. 
I have everything here. <laughs> Except, practicum. Except for practicum. Except for practicum. <laughs> I think what you should do now in Malalichi is make uh, the men stand in the middle, and, and then we can just dance around them. Okay. I like it. Let's turn back the clocks. <laughs> There's a lot of ideas for um, themed events that I think people, especially in New York, would get into, only if it's one time. Not if it's every week. The people, the culture here has been established. Like the way the milongas are here, and yeah. it's hard to change that anymore. Which is, it's just fine. It is what it is. Um, well, I, I can't think of anything else at the moment. I know you have a lot of, a lot of history, a lot of knowledge of the history. Um, what do you want to know? I think I read on your Facebook page. You did you live in? Are you from Santelmo? <laughs> no. No, but no. you live between Santelmo and mm -hmm. um, La Boca. La Boca. About three blocks from Parque Lesama. And yeah. so, uh, what was the reason for living there? Because um, it's not the, the best part. Of rent town. was cheaper there, yeah. <laughs> and then it got worse. Then I moved to like seven blocks from La Const from Constitución. Hmm. It was one to one at the time. I didn't have a penny. I was so poor. You know, Uis Uis Pizza. Uis, the cheapest pizza in the world. It's like <laughs> dollar for a slice. I, I used to eat. I used to eat at Ogi's. <laughs> it's like it's like the worst pizza in the world. It's, it's horrible. Um, I was poor. Well, I got I an, one a confession sweater. to make. Um, I love the pizza down there. Oh, it's fantastic. Because yeah. it's just like cheese and dough. There's no <laughs> sauce really. It reminds me of the. And shit then they I have, have uh, the they have the, the the pizza that's made with garbanzo, the garbanzo beans. Oh, I never heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, the pizza Garin is my favorite. Hmm. It's fantastic. The pizza there. A lot has changed though in terms of food there. Oh yeah. Like the cuisine is now as astonishing. Like the fr last time I was there, which now I can't. Bl I keep telling people it's been two years, but it's actually now I think been four, which is insane. Um, I didn't eat meat for like the first four days. Really? Not intentionally. Oh God! I, I get off the airplane and I go, and <laughs> my first place is to go get a steak. Yeah, I know, but. <laughs> I just, just happened to be like me. hanging out with friends who were some, I guess, were vegetarian. I don't know. They just kept taking me places and all the food I was eating was vegetarian and the the options have just exploded. It's a huge variety now compared to before. Now there's Starbucks. In oh, the, yeah. They even have a, um, <coughs> they have a Jewish McDonald's in, on, in Abasto. Hmm. Um, so. Yeah. It's quite, yeah, it's a lot of variety. I there. remember I was there the year, I never, it might have been 06, like the first sushi restaurant opened, and Andres and Merida took us. Yeah. And it was a big deal, and it wasn't very good. <laughs> no, but then, you know, sushi's bad. Fast <laughs> forward, well, yeah, but then fast forward a couple years later, I was there with an ex, and it was her first time, and I wanted to take her to, like, to get some asado, to get some good meat, and all I could find were sushi restaurants because <laughs> I was in Palermo. You were in Palermo. No, I you was in Palermo. Out, I know. You had to get out of Palermo. No, we definitely we did. We, we, we did. We meat. got the hell out of there. But I was like, <laughs> oh no, we'll just. There's a place down here. I know this place. And I swear, it was like everywhere I looked was sushi. Because it's like, trendy. Palermo Soho is trendy. Yeah, it's um, terrible now. Now it's before it was just out of Palermo in Palermo Viejo mm -hmm. in Palermo Chico. Now it's Palermo Soho, Palermo Verde, Plaza Freud, Palermo Queens, Palermo Hollywood. Yeah. Um. It, yeah. It's like how many names can you give palermo for one neighborhood yeah, yeah. <laughs> the neighborhood has not changed at all not grown at all it's just the amount of names for it yeah has grown yeah it's just um gives them reason to raise the prices that's all mm -hmm. well i have a friend who had a place on i think it was honduras and guruchaga 
Um, <laughs> he sold it. I mean, it was in his family forever. And he sold it and made a fucking killing. Good for him. Yeah, because... Did he buy taxis? He bought taxis with it. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, I wonder what he would do with <laughs> that money if he can't get the money out of the country. I don't know. But it was time. He was like, "I'm done. Like this is now or never." He, f- I, f- I think he felt like the bubble's gonna burst again. Yeah. Because down there, you never. Well, know. they don't. They don't know. There's gonna be a new president. Uh, the elections are this year, hmm. so they don't know what'll happen with the peso dollar. Um. That's what I'm saying. If you're going to go, this is the time to go. It's yeah, well, that's cheap. now that you mentioned it, now I, I remember why we stopped going because about four years ago, um, they, they the banks ma- matched the, the rate of the blue dollar. So they basically met in the middle. Mm-hmm. So we were getting yeah. the, the, you know, 35 pesos per U.S. dollar on the black market, which was insane. And then they evened it out around 16, which wasn't. Amazing. Not it was not that great. So we couldn't <coughs> afford to really go back. And so a lot of friends said it was just getting to be too crazy. But now I hear it's dropped. It's 44. Again. Like the interest to Milonga is $1.50. Okay. That's crazy. It's crazy. You can go to a group class for $2.50. Yeah. I mean, that's you can get a private lesson what you get for a group class here. That's <coughs> like cheaper than Thailand. I was just in <laughs> Thailand. That's cheaper than Thailand. Imagine. So when I go, I, like all I do is take private lessons all day. Yeah. Every no, I, I definitely need to get back. I, I'm glad I stopped going simply because I'd been there so many times and I wanted to see more of the world. And I'm, there's only so much money I have in the, yeah. you know, and time. But I do feel like it's time to get back down there because it's been so long. And, uh, yeah, there's so many great teachers that they're not even on the radar, you know. No, no, a lot of the best ones aren't. I think, mm-hmm. I think people equate famous dancer with great teaching. That's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Not always the case because there are some people who are great dancers, but they don't know how to transmit. They don't know how to explain the mechanics of the body. And here, there's another interesting thing. <coughs> um, a long time ago, these maestros, you know, Pupi Castello, Pepito Avellaneda, um, Raúl Bravo, um, they didn't know how to explain the the mechanics of the movement they had no formal training i remember guishermina quiroga once told me when she would just embrace one of these maestros in her classes they would just transmit through the body Mm. but today it's different you have to break it down and explain move your foot two inches this way curve it that way but it wasn't that way back then they they didn't they were not professional dancers so they didn't know how to explain their own movements what they were doing you learned by dancing with them you learned by watching them but but the next generation, you know, like Miguel Soto, Melina, Melina Plebs, Roberto Herrera, eh, eh, Roberto Reis, Kishermina Quiroga, all of them um, had a dance background, dance training. So they knew how to, quote, unquote, interpret what those maestros were trying to, to, to teach. Yeah, yeah. And I studied for a while with Raul Bravo. And he actually, st- he's quite old now, but he actually still teaches. But again, the same thing, he didn't know how, to, he doesn't know how to explain mm-hmm. how to do it. He just says, do it. Right, yeah. <laughs> and I he grabs a, you and he moves you. I've had a little experience with teachers like that because I started much later. But yeah, they would, and sometimes they would show, that st- every time they showed a step in the lesson, it was completely different <laughs> than before. But then they would just say, it's not about the step. It's about the idea, the concept. Yeah. It's about the, the, the feeling. And, and I... At the time, that didn't make any sense to me at all because I was like, but you didn't do the same thing. And now <laughs> when I, I find myself almost non-intentionally do, do, saying the same thing to my students because I see that it, those are just 
uh, avenues to get us to the bigger picture of what we're doing. So there's so many ways to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. I think what's funny when when students sometimes ask me, who should I take with that? And I said, well, my advice is you can take from a lot of different teachers. But what you'll find is many will contradict each other. Mm -hmm. So my advice is to find a couple whose style you like and study with them and you know occasionally branch out to see what other things there are but if when you're trying to solidify your dance your style <clears throat> which is kind of ironic often we teach different ways but we in, we but we all do the same thing yeah we have different ways of explaining it and so sometimes we contra- we contradict each other so i, I don't kn- think we contradict each other in theory i think we just contradict each other in explanation in the explanation that's yeah. what i'm saying in the end we're we're doing the same thing we yeah. have different ways of explaining yeah, how yeah. to get from a from a to b because i know when i was young i'd bounce around from teacher to teacher one would say no that's wrong change it and i would go and spend money and another no 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 and i had to unlearn what i had just learned that okay i need to find define what is my style mm-hmm. and then study with the teacher who dances that that style yeah because i was bouncing around like ping pong and it was getting me nowhere yeah we were we were i agree like chico and i will will pick somebody and i don't know how we come about most of our teachers either we've seen them dancing in a milonga and we're just like wow or no, somebody's right. referred us to them like with gabby and nati we were referred to them um and it's and we decide yeah this, this is it for the next little while like we're just going to stick with these guys or this person instead of like and it, of course when you're when you're only visiting in Buenos Aires you definitely want to sample so you're Absolutely. we're definitely we're taking other lessons on the side but more as like a taster and a feeler but really we've already decided no this is the couple we want to train with for a while and maybe even bring them to the states or something you know um because yeah, you it, in order to get to know more of your own idea of dancing, you have to kind of stick with one couple for a while, yeah. and not a single person. I mean, a couple. It's it's a lot different when you work with two with a par- with the partnership. Absolutely. Because you have her and him. Well, and you're getting the ham and the cheese. Who wants <laughs> to just get <laughs> getting both? It's like the hot dog with, and the bun. You want both? <laughs> just one. You just kind of feel cheated with just one. That's true. <laughs> Another interesting thing is back then, couples would dance their entire life. You had Nito and Elba who still dancing together, Gloria Eduardo. Um, today, the couples, they change frequently. Yeah. I found um, that interesting. I think it's artistically, it makes sense. To change or to stick yeah, together? No, no, well, both, actually. But um, in terms of like wanting, t- in, especially maybe in, you know, you could explain it like, well, in the world today, things are changing so fast and blah, 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 blah. But also maybe and just like as a personal growth, they, you know, you work with somebody for several years and you feel like you've hit this place together where you don't know where you're going to go with it and you you want to try with something else, something with somebody else. Also, these couple, a lot of the couples these days, myself included, we're not with our partner. Yeah. So you don't have that sense of um, devotion or, or that same relationship, whereas the people you named, they're, they're like literally married to them. So It's different. It's different. Um it's interesting how tango has evolved you know <clears throat> like i just saw two weeks ago i ran into los ocampo mm. and they were both folklore dancers it's interesting about tango here you had in the 1940s and 50s you had a lot of influence from fred astaire um and then tango almost died mm-hmm. there's there are videos silent videos black and white videos of parties private parties in the 60s in people's basements you know, dancing tango, they could have gotten caught. Then in the late 70s, 
you see in the early 80s, a lot of, um, there weren't any tango dancers and they needed dancers to dance in the theaters. And where do they get them from? Folklore dancers. Hmm. Some of them I studied with. And so you watch, if you see videos of the tango in the early 80s, you'll see how much, how much influence there was from Argentine folk dance. You'll see that the way they move, especially in the 80s. Um, I've seen a lot of videos from the shows back then. And if you were going to tell people listening where they might find videos, I guess now it would be YouTube? Mm, a lot of those videos, <coughs> those particular videos are not on YouTube. They're not available, right? I've, I've never seen them. Mm-hmm. I don't think that many people have put them up, probably because most people aren't interested in them. But you see, it's funny the way they dance. It's it's so, you can see the fluence of folklore. It's almost funny. And then you go back into the 90s, when you ha- then you had modern dancers like Melina Pleb, ballet dancers like Ishimine Kiro, and then they changed the dance again. Mm-hmm. So the dance changes. And I swear to God, the dance, I, the way they danced in the 80s, early 90s, I swear... Uh, there was a lot of cocaine and you could see like los borques when you see them on stage they were like crazy flying around the stage and it's like they were high on stage <laughs> and then 15 years later people started smoking pot and then you see you got the, you know the the nuevo tango and the the loose embrace and so there's a lot of factors into huh. the style of tango that when, make when, it when, when are we gonna have like the falling over tango from all the alcohol <laughs> that'll be the new style the new style i know <laughs> Well, no, because they're actually, they're constantly holding each other up, so maybe that won't happen. <laughs> Can you also fill in, because a lot of people listening, I don't think, know the history. You said Tang almost died. So, yes, when the dictatorship took over, uh, there were many takeovers, over go, uh, government overthrows in the in the, um, the 70s. <clears throat> and it was prohibited for people to get together into groups, okay? So that meant Homer Milongas. What happened to the orchestras? Because the orchestras at the time worked in the milongas. They played for the dancers. Mm-hmm. The music was meant to dance for. It was not meant to listen to in a concert. So a lot of these orchestras went out of business. Right. So they started, um, they started writing music for concert. Then you have, you know, like Piazzolla come in and he does jazz fusion with Jerry Mulligan. And the music changed because of what was going on with the government. In 1983, after the Falkland War, dictatorship over. And all of a sudden, all these things from outside were allowed to come in, rock and roll music, American, British rock music, that the the government was a nationalist at that time. Nothing was allowed in. So I think that is one of the reasons you go down there and you st- they're still hearing, listening to music, rock music from the 80s. Right. That's when dictatorship went over. And huh. then all of a sudden people allowed, their freedom came back. Right, right. Um, that, was a, that was a hard time. There were, I know I have friends who had friends said they came home from school one day, they went back and their friends were gone. They just disappeared. One day to the next, gone. Yeah, there was uh, a lot of kidnapping going on. A lot on. of kidnapping, and there were a lot of babies that were stolen and given to uh, military families who later, 20 years later, found out they were kidnapped. And wow. those weren't their parents. So the mothers, there's um, a group of women who were always protesting in Buenos Aires, the mothers of the, disappe- the, the ones that disappeared. Mm-hmm. And I heard, yeah, now it's coming into light. And not that it wasn't, known but it's becoming much more spoken about and um 
admitted even by the government that it had happened and some of the people that have been had disappeared their families were told now this is what happened yeah after so many years of silence on the government's part right mm-hmm. well the government is, is each government comes in they're corrupt mm-hmm. they're all stealing from the the country and like the last government with christina kirchner we know that she was partly responsible for the terrorist attack on the Israeli embassy and the Jewish community center, which had children in it. They bombed it. And they know it has to do with Iran, and they know that Christina covered it up, which is why the, um, the uh, defense attorney was murdered a couple, you know, several years ago, and they covered that up because he was going to reveal that information. Oh, right now I remember, mm-hmm. yeah. That was about four years ago. That was about four I years was, ago. I think I was down there around that time, <coughs> yeah. 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 So basically every time a new government comes in, they're they're corrupt and they're also not related at all to the previous because they're all like yeah. throwing each other out. And well, it's like it's like here. We go one extreme Republican, next Democrat, next Republican. We just seem to go swing but back But there's a lot forth. of people, until now at least, there are a lot of people inside of Washington that don't change. Yeah. They're like, but I mean the the president though, the, right. the, the whether the left wing or right wing, it seems to swing back and forth. And yeah, they, it happens there too. I see. They go from one extreme to another mm-hmm. extreme, back and forth, but each one is worse than the next. So, and Tango, it's very much influenced by all of that. Where here in the states, it's just beautiful music, and we just dance, but we don't really understand all the fluences. And all the factors that has made Tango what it is today. Yeah. Because here in the United States, we're very spoiled. We don't know what it's like to, you go to work, the subway's striking, mm-hmm. you go upstairs to take the bus, it's a line three blocks long, you know, um, you don't have, you can't get your medication, you can't get this, you can't get that, you have to worry about they're going to rob you on the street. Um, <coughs> things that here you don't even have to think about, because things here work. Right. And so all that plays into the culture of, of Tango. And unfortunately, now, when you go to the Milongas in Buenos Aires, they're, they're not packed. They used to be packed. You used to ma- there would be a point where you would, it doesn't matter which direction you took a step, you would hit someone. And people can't afford to even go to the Milongas anymore. Hmm. So it's, um, it's kind of sad, you know, to mm-hmm. see that. What is interesting when I was down there recently to see how traditional tango has come back around because when I used to dance with Anton many years ago it was kind of out of style everyone was doing apilado milonguero style they were doing nuevo tango and it's it's kind of come full circle yeah yeah I've noticed that too and I I'm glad for my own learning experience and that it, that it's also come full circle because it's it's a part I kind of missed out in in the beginning mm-hmm. and the past five or six years have had been really getting more acquainted with it and also i'm also glad that the teachers i think that are now like hot or whatever you want to call them that's what they're doing it's not but the people i watch performing <coughs> the people on the scene right now carlos and noelia and things like that they're dancing just a very simple elegant version of tango mm-hmm. um and I'm, i appreciate that that's the example that's being set once again for the larger yeah, community too. because it because it's sh- it, because not to say that i don't love all styles because i try to do all styles when it comes to the social dance floor that's the one that's going to work the best you Tango know if you got pista. yeah because if you got people flinging around if you're not really good at what you're doing and you try to dance more modern style you're just gonna be you take up too much space you take up a lot floor. of space even <laughs> and if you and to be honest if you're um, trying to dance milonguero and you don't know how to move you're just blocking the floor 
it's the same difference <laughs> i've seriously you know? you know those um those uh horns you put on your bicycle mm-hmm. i seriously thought about using them when i'm dancing yeah or a whistle <laughs> i thought about it too <laughs> just move out of the way mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of different um things i've thought about i saw luis bianchi at a festival one year they had him dress up like a police officer and just as a joke i mean obviously yeah, yeah. but he was out there like conducting traffic with a whistle and he had the hilarious. police shades on and the whole deal it was it was really funny that is funny yeah. yeah i yeah navigation is that's a difficult thing to teach that's a very and it's a very necessary thing mm-hmm. um I think people seem to think, oh, nobody hits in Buenos. That's not true. People no, they do it all the time. They do it all the time. But I think they're a little bit more. They say perdón, the culpame, and then they just keep going. People, I think I've heard people here complain. People bump and they don't even acknowledge it. Yeah, they don't seem to notice. They don't seem to notice. But they're everyone's perdón. They say I'm sorry. Excuse me. I and think they just navigation's hard to teach because it's it's like driving a car. You don't really learn until you're on the fucking road. Yeah. You could drive around in a parking lot all day long and I, think you're a great driver, but I, you're not going to learn how to drive in traffic until road. you're in traffic. Although I yell at my students when I have them dine, dance in the line of dance and they move into the middle, I yell at them, get back in the I line agree. of dance, yeah, get back there. But even, even then, I, c- I can relate as a leader going through that. Like You don't really know why you're being yelled at. You know you're not supposed to go there, <laughs> but you see it and it's wide open and you're like, well, what the... But when I, as a this leader... This is why we need a group of men standing in the middle. Oh, uh, yeah. They're, they're to block the, the, block the middle. <laughs> block yeah. the middle. Because, like, as a leader learning how to dance, you know, navigation, that's what I learned uh, on the floor. Like, yeah. More than anything. Okay, Nat- Natalie. I think I'm going to wrap it up. Natalie. Um, you're teaching now in New York. Uh, yeah. Officially, 6 o'clock beginner class here at you should be dancing with jack yes lovely jack jack hanley jack's my tango lover great friend great friend and great tango lover and is there anything <laughs> else we should acknowledge um the moment no i can't think of anything okay just stay tuned yeah stay tuned um well thank you for taking the time to be here thank you for um for interviewing me yeah thanks it was for talking. fun yeah it was so i will I'll see you at the Milonga soon. Okay. <laughs> ciao, ciao. Ciao, everyone. So, there we are with Natalie LaRucha and her tales of intrigue and espionage in the lands of Buenos Aires. And let me tell you, well, most of you listening who've been there know this is just everyday life. And I'm happy to say I'm returning, finally. After four years, we're going back in January. Three weeks in Buenos Aires, Sharon's coming, that's great, two weeks with Sharon, three weeks total with Chico, we're going to work, we're going to practice, we're going to have fun, uh, see old friends, maybe head out to Mendoza and see our good friend Nico, who knows, I mean, what happens down there, who knows, it's a crazy place, uh, lots of dancing for sure, I'm going to try to connect with some teachers, Chico and I are considering organizing a tour for 2021, so we're going to go down there and see, uh, what kind of connections we can make and how so i'm not i think we would organize a very successful tour i think we're very good at those kind of things however i don't trust the resources i don't trust argentina i think you know i don't want to organize a tour and then have like my guests staying at a place where there's no water or heat or or hot water or who knows i mean if you've been there you know things happen and then we don't have any control so i, I feel a little strange but uh whatever it's all an adventure life's an adventure thanks for uh thanks for tuning in please subscribe please tell your friends about the show uh last but not least next month september 
the uh, studio where I've been working for about 12 years, You Should Be Dancing, is celebrating its 20th anniversary. They're having all sorts of specials and uh, events and things to celebrate all month long. So check it out online or stop by um, next month as well. Horacio Godoy, Cecilia Beira workshops. They are almost full. I'm very happy about that. And uh, I will be going to Cleveland the weekend after to join them there. Uh, that's about it for now, people. I will see you next. Well, I will speak with you next week. I hope you have a great weekend and enjoy your lives. <laughs>